Welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. Um, It says, And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. For the priests bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people, according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people passed over in haste, and when all the people had finished passing over the Ark of the Lord, and the priests passed over before the people, The sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the people of Israel, as Moses had told them. About 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests bearing the Ark of the Testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, Come up out of the Jordan. And when the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, What do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Did you see that? I almost fell. Anyway, it's okay. Um, yeah, so I'm Michelle. I think I know a lot of people here, but there's also a lot of people I don't know, probably because I'm a little introverted. People don't realize that. And so I hope I get to meet you soon. Um, but for those who don't know me, you probably um, don't know that I'm married to Andrew. He's in Kid City um, with our two and a half year old, Eden. And if it's not obvious, I'm expecting another baby. This is not just a food belly. <laughs> Though I get those sometimes too. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, um, and Eden is a lot of energy. She's a very strong-minded child, probably payback for my childhood. <laughs> um, but she's great. She's really funny, really sweet, too. And um, those of you who are parents, 
as you probably know, we often want what's best for our kids. I hope that's what you want. You want your kids to um, have like a whole life, a life of knowing God, and they just want, you want them to have all the best things. Um, I don't mean actual physical things, but just like a really abundant life, right? So, um, you know, sometimes there are rules, and sometimes you have directions for them and instructions. Um, so today I'm going to be talking about um, influence through obedience. And as we were, I was praying with uh, Pastor Mike and some of the other prayer team today, and we talked about the, like this concept of obedience. Like, not everybody likes that word. It kind of has negative connotations. So I'm hoping that after today, you won't think of it that way. Um, but I, I think my daughter thinks of obedience <laughs> in that way currently. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Um, so anyway, being a toddler, uh, toddlers can't really see too far into the future, right? It's, everything's immediate. They can only see what's in front of them. They don't think abstract. So um, whenever we're trying to get her to go in a certain direction or there's a way we want her to go, the things that are immediate are easier for her to follow. So for example, I might say to her, all right, eat it. Um, let's go wash your hands so we can eat pocky sticks. And she's like, oh, but she runs to wash her hands, right? Or like, let's take a bath, and then you can play with that new toy that you got. And she's like, oh, okay, and she jumps into the bath. Um, let's put your coat on so we can go to the park. Those situations, usually no trouble. She'll follow our instructions, she'll obey whatever it is that we tell her to do. But it's harder to get her to obey when the benefits or rewards are far off in the future or less obvious, right? So for example, I'll say to her, like last night, I heard Andrew, Andrew put her to bed last night, and I could hear. He's like, Eden, let's go to bed so that you'll be well rested for worship tomorrow. <laughs> and she's like, I don't want to go to bed. <laughs> she fought for bedtime. Um, or, Eden, let's not hit other children. Sometimes I say this to her, maybe I should kind of think of another way to say it, but whatever, I'm real, right? Like, Eden, let's not hit other kids or you won't have friends in the future, right? Like, you won't have. And she was like, friends? Like, what? Like, what's that? Um, so, you know, as funny as it is, and we can laugh about it, it is really funny. I try not to laugh in those moments. Um, but we're like that, aren't we? We're like that with God. And she does these, she usually when she doesn't want to obey, or she doesn't want to follow instructions or whatever, comply, there's three things that she'll do. One of three things, okay? So the first thing she might do is just plain disobedience through some kind of like, um, she uses her body language. So toddlers, she does this like, I'll try to get her to like sit on the potty or like in a car seat. And she'll be like, no! She'll like arch her back, okay? Classic toddler. Another thing she'll do is, um, Andrew calls it the bow down, okay? So she'll just like bow down like this. <laughs> so we'll be like, Eden, come put your shoes on. And she'll drop, bow down. <laughs> and it's kind of like her way of like hiding and like, you know, just protecting herself, defending herself from us. Um, the other posture that she does is uh, the limp noodle. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden, all her joints will just go weak and her limbs will just, and she'll just fall to the ground. <laughs> and so at those who have babies, you guys probably know that, or kids, or maybe you remember doing that. I don't know, maybe you still do that. <laughs> I don't know. So that's the one thing she does. She uses some kind of body language to demonstrate, no, I won't comply. The second thing she'll do is, um, it actually annoys me so much. She'll put on this, like, I can't hear you act, you know? I'll be like, okay, Eden, it's time for dinner, whatever, and she'll just keep playing, like, whatever. And I know she heard me, I'll be like, Eden, Eden, Eden! She's like, I can't hear you, I can't hear you. And, you know, that's probably familiar to some of us, too. We do that, too. Um, the other thing, the third thing that she'll do 
this one is trickier, and uh, we're, we're actually currently in our parenting. We're trying to figure, figure this one out. She'll make an I just need excuse. Like, for example, we'll be like, okay, Eden, it's time to leave. Like, that's usually when she does <laughs> okay, it's time to go somewhere. And she'll be like, okay, I just need my bear bear, or I just need to play, put this away, or I just need, and she'll make some kind of excuse. Um, and sometimes I think it's a transition thing, but then she'll also do this. This is her common thing. She'll be like, I just need to do it my way. Like, I'll, I'll follow you, but I'm gonna do it my way. Like, her favorite thing to say is, I'll do it myself. Like, that's her favorite thing to say. Um, so, I was thinking about this and, you know, thinking about my toddler and realizing that I'm not very different from her. Um, we often have the same attitude towards God. We will resist, we will hide, we will protest, ignore him, make all kinds of excuses. And our just need excuses, they sound kind of like this. I'm sure God will do it. I just need more time, you know? I just need more money before I can do that. Um, I need more experience before I say yes to that. I just need better health, or I just need to be married. I need a spouse, or a better spouse. Then I can do it, right? Um, I just need kids, or kids to grow up, or kids to become more independent, or kids to move out. Like, we make all kinds of excuses um, before I follow you. And so I've been praying over today's passage, and um, I really believe that God wants us to all grow in obedience. And he wants this for us because it's so important. It's so important for our lives. Um, today we are going to look at the passage that Missy read, um, Joshua 4, verses 8 to 24. Um, but before we dive into the text and um, I highlight some things, I want to give you a little bit of a recap of what's happened so far. So we learned, like we're, we're going through this whole series, this whole book of Joshua, the, the, the beginning part. Um, so Joshua 1, Moses dies, and then Josh, um, God calls Joshua to step up and lead his generation forward into the promised land. And then God reminds Joshua of his covenant with his people. Um, they are to obey his law, and he is going to keep his promises. He just reminds them of that. God speaks through Joshua to the people and gives them all kinds of instructions, like you have three days, so get ready, um, consecrate yourselves, and all that. And um, then we get to, oh, and then also there's the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh. This is just a, a group of people that had an agreement with Moses that they were going to settle on the east side, but they, were, they promised to send their men to go and fight. So he's like, get ready for that, now's the time. Um, and then the people very, are very passionate and they're like, yes, we will follow everything you say, Joshua, everything God tells you. And if anyone doesn't follow, they will die. Um, and I don't remember who talked about it. Maybe it was like Mike or something. Like, that was very zealous of them, but we know later on that they don't fully keep that. But in this moment, they're just like, yes, we're going to follow you. Then Joshua 2 happens, and then there's a story about Joshua sending the spies into Jericho. And it's kind of the same thing that Moses did. But this time, it goes a little bit better for them. Um, they meet a prostitute, Rahab, and she's a local, and she has already heard about God. And more than that, she fears God, and she wants to follow him. And so they meet her, and then she tells them, the people in the land, they melt in fear because of you. Like, they, they're afraid. And so they run back, and they're like, oh, Joshua, like, God's gone before us. Like, there's this, like, real sense of expectation. God's gone before us. Then Joshua 3 happens, and this is, like, the moment they're, like, going to cross the Jordan. The only thing between them and the promised land 
is the Jordan River. And there are a series of clear instructions about what they're supposed to do. So they are to consecrate themselves the night before, which means like to cleanse themselves of their sin and prepare for what God wants them to do. And like um, in all the instructions for how to do this is in God's law. So they're following his instructions that were already given in his word. Um, and then uh, when it's time to move, the Levitical priests will carry the Ark of the Covenant and the people are to follow behind about one kilometer. Um, and then when they get to the brink of the Jordan River, they are told to do something kind of like a step, take a step of faith. They're told to just step into this rushing river in its flood stage. And when they do that, God promises that he's going to stop the waters from flowing and then they can cross, right? So very clear instructions all along the way, one after another. Oh, they're also supposed to choose 12 men for something, okay, from each tribe. Um, and so what happens? What do they do? They follow his instructions. They do what he tells them to do. And what happens? We already heard like a couple weeks ago, this incredible miracle happens. God does what he says he's going to do. He stops this, this crazy river from flowing. And we talked about how the ground was dry. There's no mud. Like it was dry. They could actually cross. They didn't get stuck. And then we're told that um, the priests stood in the middle of the river with the Ark of the Covenant, so which is God's presence. They stood there the whole time while the people are crossing. And then last week, um, after everyone crossed, they were told to send the 12 men that they pre-selected to go to the middle of the river where the priests stood and look for these 12 stones, like large stones, bring them out so that they could set up a memorial for future generations. Okay, so that's kind of where we left off. And now this part of the passage is the second half, or not half, more than half, two-thirds of the chapter, is just kind of slowing down and emphasizing some key things. So this stuff has already happened, but it's just emphasizing it, all right? So we're going to look at verse 8, and just going to focus on that one part. It says, Joshua 4, verse 8, it says, And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded. Okay, so once again, it emphasizes their obedience. They, they did exactly what God commanded through Joshua. Now, in that whole narrative, in that whole story of, like, that account of history, there was a pattern to their steps. There was, and we talk about it all the time at TLC because we really think it's important for our lives. There was a hearing, a trusting, and an obeying, okay? So God spoke. God always initiates. So he initiated. He spoke to Joshua. And so they heard through Joshua. Then they trusted and they obeyed, right? So I want to talk a little bit about this hear, trust, obey, because God wants us, his people, to also live that kind of life pattern where we hear, trust, and obey. Now, God's directions for his people back then came through leaders like Moses and Joshua. But the incredible thing today, guys, is that his spirit lives in each of us, and we all have that ability to hear God's voice. And it's beautiful because... He intended for us to be filled with the Spirit so that we could build up the body. We were meant to do it together. When we make decisions, we discern together. But when you hear God's voice, um, we're meant to move in unity. Like, it's so beautiful. It's not like before where everything we rely on, that one person, to, to mediate for us or, you know, go on our behalf. We have that ability together. It's so beautiful. And so it's changed. It's shifted. Um, so this hearing and trusting and obeying, like, Yes, there's an individual um, way that we do that. God speaks to us individually, um, convicts us of things, moves us forward into the thing, places he wants us to go, but it always has something to do with his kingdom. 
and it's always bigger than us, and we're meant to do it together. Um, so that's the thing, hear Chesa Bay. So hearing, um, God is always speaking. We might hear him various different ways. We talked about spiritual disciplines over the summer. So some of us, um, you know, maybe we lean more towards certain disciplines than the other. Um, maybe God speaks to us in unique ways that like some of us can hear God in pictures or words and other people it's through like a worship song or something. But no matter what, it will always be cons consistent with his revealed word. So things that the word's already written, he's already spoken. Everything that he calls us to will always be consistent with his word. So if you ever hear God calling you, you think you're hearing God calling you to do something, but it kind of sounds a little bit off, def or you know, definitely sounds off, doesn't, it doesn't sound like something God would say that he's already said, then it's probably not from God. Um, and uh, you'll learn over time, because Jesus promises that the sheep know his voice, God's voice. So you'll just know as you get to know God more and more what he sounds like. So hearing, that's how hearing works. And then we're called to trust him. And what is it that we're placing our trust in? Like, think about it. We're placing our trust in who God says he is, so who he's Call, who he said he, he is in his word, and we're also placing our trust in who he has demonstrated and proven himself to be over history, right? Like, you know, God says, I keep my promises, but you don't really believe that until you see a promise fulfilled, right? Or you hear about it. Um, you know, God God is good. Well, if your experience of him as, a, as you grow in your life and you walk forward, you'll experience more of that and you'll start to see he's good. But he's already proven it. God, there's so much in the Bible already. Like, it's all there. He's already proven it. The whole narrative just shows us who God is. It shows us who he's proven himself to be. So we trust in those things. Um, and then we obey. And this is really, this is where it's hard for us. Um, 1 John, verse chapter 2, verse 4, I have the verse. This is from, it says, whoever says, I know him, so you call yourself a Christian, I know Jesus, I know God. Whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So obedience is really important. You can't call yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus, if you don't follow him, if you just kind of do your own thing and you wander. Obedience really marks the life of a Christian. That's what we're called to. And so we can't get around that. Like, you can't just hear and then trust, but not act, not do, not follow, not go. Um, now, God might call us to bold, step of, bold steps of obedience, like stepping into a rushing river and expecting it to like just be held back, the water's held back. Like That's like a miracle. That doesn't happen normally, right? So he might call us to bold steps of obedience. Um, but some of us, like sometimes, or most of the time, I actually think maybe more often, God calls us to a series of small, normal, ordinary steps of obedience. And um, those are important too. He cares about that. Like all the directions, like, you know, get ready, three days, you know, gather yourself, we're gonna be moving, consecrate yourself, choose 12 men. Like these are very normal things, right? So God is often like that too. There's a series of small steps. And so I'm gonna talk a little bit about my husband who is not in the room. He would be very embarrassed if I but he knows I'm telling you guys this story. Um, so I'm married to Andrew, and what many of you probably don't know is that we were set up by a mutual friend. So we met on a blind date, like literally, I had no idea what he looked like. Um, I just heard a little bit about him. 
And so, you know, you go and I'm like, is that him? <laughs> this guy, like, you know, sitting, like, so proper, the chair, we went with for coffee, all right? And um, I remember our very first conversation, it was so, I, I'm not a surface person, I just like, cut to the chase, like, deep stuff, right? And it was such a memorable conversation, like, I was sitting there, and we're talking about our experience with God, like our experience of hearing, trusting, and obeying. And I started, I was just going, ah, like, God did this, and God did this, and, and like, I followed, and this happened, and blah, and I'm telling all these, like, stories after story, and um, I'm really excited, I talk really fast, like I probably am now, and he's just listening, 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 and then he was like, oh, yeah, my life's not like that. And he was like, I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you know, I, as I get to know God, like, and I read his word, yeah, he convicts me of things, and yeah, you, you just follow it because it's in his word, and like, and he's going on and on, and I'm just like sitting there, and I'm like, oh, I mean, then I realized what I didn't tell him is that the small, ordinary stuff that's in God's word, like, I wrestle with God. I'm getting better now in my trust and everything, but definitely, even then, I always struggle. It's like God says something, and I'm like, okay, but again, say it again. Like, explain again, like, why? And I have a harder time with those, like, small things, like, you know, these slow to anger, <laughs> forgive, like, all those things. Like, I just, people probably don't know that. You don't realize that, because you just, you know, you see whatever. I don't know what you see, but <laughs> you see what I tell you. I don't know. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm really convicted, like, oh. I'm like, that's pretty, pretty cool that you just follow the word. Like, you just do what it says. Um, and, and I think in, like, Christians, I feel like most of us, we kind of lean more towards one or the other. Like, some of us, we're always looking for those bold steps of obedience. Like, God, like, I want to see a miracle. I want to see you do something through my life or, like, around me. Like, lead me there. But we have a harder time with the everyday things that he calls us to, you know? Um, so maybe you're like me. Or some of us, you're like my husband, and, yeah, you try to live that Christian life, you know, do all the things that you're supposed to do, but you have a harder time with those bolder things that God might call you to. And so... Um, you, you sit there. But I just want to emphasize, like, both types of obedience are really important for us. They're really important to God. They matter. He cares about both. Okay? And their obedience is obedience, right? Whether you can see the immediate benefit or it's far off and it's less obvious. Okay? It's, it's really important. So, um, God wants us to hear, trust, and obey. And everything that he asks us to do daily is easy, right? No. <laughs> oh, she tried to trick me. I don't want to say anything. <laughs> no, it's not easy. It's actually really hard. And there's usually a cost to obedience. So I want to talk a little bit about that. So let's look at the story, what happened. So God asked the Israelites to cross the Jordan during its flood season. All right. The flood season, the waters are like so high, they like, we talked about how far, how wide this river was because of that. The waters are also rushing, like they're not, it's not just like the steady stream. So it's a flood season, it's a really, it kind of doesn't make sense, right? Like, can't we just wait for a different season when the water's lower and it's less, you know, chaotic or whatever? Um, but obedience um, sometimes doesn't, like the things God calls us to sometimes doesn't make sense, like they don't make sense. Um, so what would, they, what, they, what would they have been afraid of? They might have been afraid of drowning, being swept away, dying, like, I don't know, what they were afraid of. 
The other thing is, um, so there's this part in the passage where, um, where I talked about God reminding the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, like through Joshua, that they need to prepare for battle. And so those people who, those people who knew they were the ones that had to go ahead and prepare for battle, like what are this going through their minds? Like, we could be the first to die, right? Like, no one wants to be the first to die. You want to just kind of watch everything happen so you have a chance to back up, right? Like, there's a cost there to that obedience. Um, and then just think about the big picture thing of what God's asking them to do. Like, really take it in. He wants this nation to walk into a land and take possession of it. But there's already inhabitants living there, all right? Think about all the risk there. Once again, they could die, okay? Like, the, like if, if the enemy really wants to work, he could just say, you're going to die, right? Like, that's how bad this risk is. Um, Moses' generation, the generation before, they counted the cost. And they decided it wasn't worth it. They weren't going to do it. So today, we often find ourselves counting the cost as well. When God asks us to do something, he speaks through his word. Um, he, he tells us um, a direction he wants us to go. We sit there and we count the cost. Um, so the cost for us might not even be death like actual physical death, but the enemy, like, he is very crafty. He lies, okay? So if you look at, you know, the Garden of Eden, um, Garden of Eden God says, eat from any fruit, but don't eat from this tree, or you will die. Like, God says that. If you don't obey me, you will die. But then the enemy says, you won't die. You know, he lies. So, if, you know, if you disobey, you die. The enemy says, no, you won't die. But then we know that the enemy, he kills he came to kill, steal, and destroy, right? So, like, and, and God, like, Jesus came that we might have what? Life. We might have life, right? So, it's, like, reverse. It's opposite. So, like, you know, he's telling them, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die. You cross the river, you're going to die. You go first in the battle, you're going to die. Like, all these things. Um, and what they don't realize is that, that maybe the flip side, their disobedience might lead them to death. Like, like Moses' generation, like, they just, like, wandered. For 40 years, like, that's death to my soul. <laughs> like, I don't know, like, many of us can't even wander for one month. Like, it's still, like, one month seems so long, right? But, like, 40 years, guys, that's a long time. Um, so just beware of those lies that the enemy might tell you. So, um, anyway, but when we're weighing things, when we're counting the cost, we might not actually see death in the future, but we still have a hard time moving forward. There might be somebody in here today, and God is asking you, to take a pay cut so that you could be more present at home, be a more present husband, um, a father or a mother or wife to your kids. Maybe God's asking you to do that. Um, God may be asking another one of you to give up preferences that you have um, for worship or whatever so that you could commit to the family that he's called you to, that he's led you to, that he brought you to. Um, maybe... Another one of you, like, whatever it is, he's asking you to give up something or let go of something so that you could receive something else. But that thing that he wants you to receive, it's like like my child. She like, doesn't see it. She doesn't get it, right? Um, that's how we are. So we have a hard time. We can't let go of the thing that's right in front of us. Last year, um, around, actually around this time, uh, I, was, I was working. I'm not working now. Um, at, at a job. Um, I'm still working <laughs> at home with my child. But um, last year, uh, there were a lot of things going on in the organization that I was working for, and there were a lot of changes. 
And it was really, like the things that were happening was really robbing me of life, okay? There was like a lot of death. And I remember like, I had to take like a whole month off just to like clear my mind and be out of that environment so I could think clearly. And in that month, God spoke very clearly. He said, I want you to leave. Um, and I was like, okay, let me think about this. So I started counting the cost. I sat there, I was like, okay, just leave my job, just leave. Like, can I find something else first? Like, God's like, no, leave. I want you to leave. Okay, well, what about finances? What about like my family? Like, you know, things will be very tight. Um, he's like, nah, don't worry about that. Like, you have a lot, I'm gonna take care of you. It's gonna be fine, you'll be fine. It's like, oh, you know, I wasn't convinced. So I just sat there and I wrestled and I wrestled. What, and my job was secure. People loved me. The things that I was doing was very successful. It was going well. Like, and God's like, no, I, I want you to leave it. You don't need that stuff. Like, I want you to follow me. And he just, like, it was like a, I literally wrestled with God. And now, like, counting that cost, there had to come a point where I had to just, even though I, I couldn't see what was ahead, you know, God's like promises fulfilled, I couldn't see the other side. I had to take a step of faith. I had to trust him, trust that he's good, that he wants what's best for me. And so last, uh, this year in January, I left my job. And of course, guys, none of those things that I was worrying about happened. My family's okay, we're doing fine. Actually, we're probably better because we are like trying to keep better track of things, right? Um, we're trying to be, uh, be intentional about that. But also like, oh man, so many things happened in that organization after I left. And in my life, like, if I saw the healing that God had, like, I had no clue the healing God had for me leaving. Like, some crazy things have happened in the last few months. Oh, man, before I left my job, like, the person I was becoming at home, the mom I was becoming, like, the wife, like, that's not who I wanted to be. It's like, this has been the sweetest year for our marriage. Like, my, my relationship with my daughter is so different. Like, so much good has come out of that step of obedience. All right? So, I don't know, the lies we believe sometimes that hold us back. So I want us to think now about, you know, we, we talked about like, we, we're thinking about the cost of obedience, whatever it is for you. But while you're doing that, do we ever think about the cost of disobedience? Like, what does that look like? You know, I kind of alluded to like death, like, you know, but what does it actually look like? So let's look at what happened. Um, Let's look at all the things that happened as a result of their obedience, because these things would not have happened if they were disobedient, all right? So first of all, um, this miracle happens, and this generation that probably doesn't remember the Red Sea, maybe some of them weren't born, um, they get to witness this miracle. Like, they get to actually experience it. They finish crossing the Jordan, and everybody's across, and then the priests, they're last, they come back to the other side of the river, and as soon as they step out, <laughs> all the waters are released, okay? So I think God did that to show them that that thing happening, the water, like that miracle was a direct result of their obedience. It's not just some freak of nature, something that, it was directly a result of, of their obedience, okay? So um, they knew without a doubt that God was with them, he was for them, he was going to keep their promise, his promises. Many of us are longing to witness a miracle in our church, in our generation, we want to see God do things, but we are just having a hard time obeying. Like, it doesn't happen unless we obey, right? Um, so he requires us to step out in faith. 
Okay, let's look at the second thing that happened. If you look at verse chapter 4, verse 14, so Joshua, yeah, it says, On that day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him, just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. God exalted Joshua. He didn't have to do it. Basically, that day, Joshua gained credibility as a leader, and he needed that credibility in order to continue leading the people, right? So just think about that. We can't miss what God wants us to do today because it is crucial preparation for what he wants us to do tomorrow, all right? Um, some of you, I remember being single and whatever, and really having a hard time with that in my 20s, and some of you are waiting for a spouse, like you want to be married, you want to have that family, but you are having a hard time obeying God in your dating life today. Like the things, the kind of life he wants you to live, holiness, purity, like you're having a hard time with that today. Um, some of you are maybe waiting, maybe God's giving you a vision like, oh, you're going to be a generous, you're going to bless so many people with your finances, and you have that like dream like, oh, I just want to give more away to ministries and whatever, but you're waiting, and you're waiting for that larger paycheck to come so that you could do that. And God's like, but you're not being a good steward of what I've given you now. Like, how are you, how do, I, how do you know you're going to do it then when I give you more, right? Um, some of you are waiting for a bigger platform or greater influence, but you're having a hard time obeying God in the small things he's asking you to do today, the ordinary things. So those things are important too. Let's look at another thing that happened as a result of their obedience. This is like the very end of the, verse, the chapter. Verses 21 to 24. Okay. He said to jo um, so and he said, so Joshua said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground, for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So their obedience, because of their obedience, they had a story to tell future generations about God and his faithfulness and his goodness. I was talking to Andrew just like this past week about like both of us are kind of first generation Christians in our family. And we were just talking about, yeah, like a lot of the things we struggle with is because like, no one told us, like, about God. And, like, so we're learning it for the first time, and I'm hoping that, like, you know, that's why church is so important to us, because we're with you guys, and you guys have stories, and it's so important. Um, but, like, guys, like, imagine, like, you want to raise your kids, or the next generation of the church, the future people coming behind us. Like, if we have no, no stories to tell them, like, how sad is that? Like, what are we handing them? Like, what are we passing on to them, Right? So this is like, these 12 memorial stones that they set up, they were a memorial for the people of Israel forever, okay? It was for that generation to remember and not forget what God did. It was for generations to follow. And it says, and all peoples of the earth, all peoples of the earth. That includes you and me, because we weren't there. We're not like, I don't know if any of you are connected to Israel. Maybe. Anybody? I don't know. Anybody? Most of us probably not. Like, we are the ones who benefited from this act of obedience, right? Like, think about it. Um, and it's to remind all of us what God has done and to ensure that we fear the Lord God forever. 
Joshua's life, imagine what Israel, imagine what the world would be like today if this generation, Joshua's generation, did not obey. So the reality is that the cost of obedience that we talked about earlier, the cost of obedience is actually nothing compared to the cost of disobedience. Because the things that we miss out of are so much greater than the things that we're like afraid to lose, right? Like think about it. Like their obedience had eternal implications for them, their children, their community, like the neighboring nations, like they know what happened. They saw what happened. Like it had eternal implications for them, the future church, like us here today, and for the world, guys. Like the whole world will know God because of this. One of these things that he's done. Our obedience, even though some of us, it seems small, like, you know, like I said, some of us looking for the big steps, even the small things, every type of obedience has eternal implications for the whole world. You are here today because of someone else's obedience. So I want you to think about it. Who is that? Maybe it was your parents. They lived a faithful and obedient life, and that's why you're here today. Maybe for others of you, it was a youth group leader or a pastor, right? Somebody... Their obedience, you're the, that, that's the reason you're here. Um, maybe it was a friend who put themselves out there and shared the gospel with you and told you about Jesus. Like, you are here because someone else was obedient. And let's not forget that Jesus lived an obedient life and that we are here today. So there, because of his, because of his obedience. There's like this story in the Gospels, it's very, you know, when, when Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, so like, he knows what he's about to do, and he's with his friends, and he tells them, pray so you don't be tempted, and they fall asleep. So like, that must have been so lonely. But he's praying in the Garden, and he heard exactly what God wanted him to do. He knew, all right? He knew what God, the instructions were clear, what he had to do next. And as he was kneeling down, I'm pretty sure he was counting the cost of that obedience, okay? He knew it was going to be costly. He was going to lose comfort, dignity, like, he's going to be humiliated. He was going to die, okay? So he knew, like, it would ultimately cost him his life. And we always forget, too, that he was going to be separated from the Father, who he had never been separated from before, because of our sin, all right? Like, that moment where he, he cries out, God, why have you forsaken me? Like, he was separated in all eternity, it was like that one moment that never happened before. Okay, so he was counting the cost. And, and we know that it was a big deal because he actually says, remove this cup from me. Like, Lord, if it's your will, remove this cup from me. You know, he doesn't, his flesh doesn't want to do it, guys. He doesn't want to do it. He's like in so much agony that he's sweating blood. Like, how many of you have ever sweat blood before over weight, counting the cost of something? Probably none of us, right? Um, but I really believe that while he was praying and counting the cost, while his friends were sleeping, okay, he thought of his friends. He thought of them. He thought of you and me, okay? He thought of our neighbors, that um, newcomer in St. Jamestown who is like struggling to figure out life. He thought of that concierge in your building. Like, he thought of everyone, and he decided that it was worth it. He decided that it was worth all of that. The 
cost, he knew that the cost of his obedience was nothing compared to the cost of his disobedience. So, what does all of this mean for us today? What is God speaking to us today? Um, I want us to search our hearts and ask two questions, okay, just two questions. And so first, um, the first question I want you to ask yourself is, do you truly fear God? Okay, and Joshua 4 verse 10, there's kind of this random comment about this whole thing that's happened. Like, you know, I think it says like, the people crossed over, the whole nation crossed over, like it says it twice, right? But then it goes back and it says this, and it says, the people passed over in haste, okay? It's kind of just inserted there in that sentence. People passed over in haste. So I was like thinking about that. They passed over in haste. What does it mean? Well, I'm thinking like, Joshua probably told them, you guys have to all cross today. In one day, the whole nation has to cross. So there's a little bit of this urgency, okay, we have to do this. And I'm just imagining walking through this like dry river and thinking like, I'm not gonna waste my time, I'm just gonna get across. Because I mean, God's holding it back, but he could at any time just let go and like all the water could come rushing. Like, I don't wanna be the last one in the line. I wanna be the first one in the line. Like, there was this healthy fear of God knowing that he is Lord over everything and you don't want to disobey because he is sovereign. He's like, you know, there's this healthy fear. And we don't like talking about that. Like, you know, Christians, we like to just be like buddying with God all the time. Like, there's a healthy fear and there was a healthy amount of urgency. Today, we lack fear of God, guys. We lack a fear of God. Um, and we have cheapened God's grace his mercy and love, and we have forgotten about his sovereignty, his holiness, his justice, and his wrath. All right, we've forgotten about those things. The cost of obedience is nothing compared to the cost of disobedience, guys. Do you fear God? The second question I want you to ask is, what is causing your delay? So Joshua 4, verse 19, the first part, it says another random detail inserted in the text. The people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month. So that means nothing to us in our culture. What does that mean, the 10th day of the first month? What month, okay? So this actually was a significant day. This was the day that the people were supposed to prepare for the Passover, begin preparing for the Passover, all right? So, um, you know, earlier I asked, like, why couldn't they wait for the flood to be, like, you know, lower, like the flood stage to be um, over for this river? God is really, really, um, his timing is everything, okay? He wanted them to feast in the promised land, in the, in the, across the river. He wanted them to get to the other side and feast there. It was so, like, it was significant, his reason for that. And so this timing is everything. Um, delayed obedience is not obedience, all right? It is not. Obedience neither procrastinates nor questions. Disobedience takes us off track, sometimes causing us to wander around and around um, when we don't need to, just like Moses' generation. Sometimes when we disobey, we miss a glorious part of his plan that could only occur at a particular place or time in our lives. So I'll give you some examples. Those of you who are parents, you, you have your children for 18 years, maybe longer, they say, like us. Um, but... Did you know that a person's worldview is formed in the first six years of their life? 
So by the time a child turns six, their worldview is formed, all right? So those, and those early years, I don't think it's a coincidence, those are the hardest years to like keep following after God because like you're actually physically tired. You're like, there's just so much going on. But guys, that's what was a small window. Now is the time to be the parents that God has called you to be. Now is the time. You won't get that time back. You won't get it back. It's important for you to model for them what an obedient, faithful life looks like. Not wait till they're in high school. Like, oh man, sorry, a little tangent. Like, I used to be a children's pastor, and so many times I would see it, it made me so sad, guys. Like, parents would come, and like, while their kids are like young, it's just really hard. Like, they get distracted, there's a lot of things going on. And then when their kids are teenager, they like bring them to the church, please fix my kid. Like, teach them about God. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> like, now, like, they, their worldview set. They've made up their mind, right? Like, it's so important. That window's so important, guys. Your faithfulness is so important when your kids are young and onward. Some of you only have four years at school, at your school that God's put you in right now, with these classmates of yours and these people that he's placed in your life. Your life. You might be the only Christian that your friend ever meets. Four-year window. And... Like, and I, I look back on my university days, I was a new Christian, but even then, like, I struggled sometimes sharing my faith with people, because everything was like, I was so afraid of persecution, I was so afraid of, like, you know, being, like, socially shunned, or whatever, and, like, maybe right near the end, I was like, ah, I'm losing my opportunity, then I got serious about it, okay? But, like, you don't have, you don't have to do that. First year on campus, guys, live your faith, be open about your faith. That window is so small. Some of you know that you're only going to be in Toronto for one year. I'm only going to be here for one year. And, you know, for some reason, God led you to this church. You're at this church right now. And you're like, oh, God led me here. Guys, now is the time to dive in and experience all that God has for you. Um, and, and experience why he brought you here. Okay? Like, don't waste this opportunity that he's given you. The cost, the th all the things you're going to lose, like, ah! The cost of obedience is nothing compared to the cost of disobedience. So um, I'm going to close. How are we doing? Am I early? Okay. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm going to pray um, for us. But I want us to think, guys, like, at TLC, like, are we going to be the kind of church that when God says go, we go? Or are we going to be like Moses' generation and kind of like, you know, miss the opportunity that he has for us? Um, I want to be the first church. I want to be that generation. I want to be the generation that goes. I want to witness the miracles. I want to see God do things. I want to, uh, I want all the things, abundant life, all the things that he promises. So um, let me pray for us. Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, Sovereign over life and death and everything in between. God, thank you so much for counting the costs and deciding that we were worth it. You knew that we would reject you. You knew all of that, but you still decided we were worth it. God, thank you so much for that. Help us to have the same heart for the people around us. Psalm 116, verse 60 says, I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. Help this be our reality today. 
Help us to hear you better, trust you more, and obey without delay, God. Help us remember that the cost of our obedience, the things that we're holding on to, are nothing compared to the cost of disobedience, the things that we'll miss out of, the things that we miss out of receiving from you, God. We need you for this, God. We can't do it alone. We always fail, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so um, now we are going to respond through communion. And communion is kind of like a memorial stone for us. It's like a weekly reminder of Christ's obedience, that he obeyed to the point of death on the cross. And the bread represents his body broken for us. And the, the juice, the grape juice, represents his blood shed for us. So we are going to, as an act of our worship and utter response to God, we are going to come forward and partake of this gift that he's given us. And we're going to remember. We're going to remember what Jesus did because it, it matters. It matters for us. And so um, those of you who don't believe that Jesus did those things, like, feel free to just sit in your seats and think about the things that you heard today. Maybe pray and talk to God about these things that you're hearing. And, yeah, pray and have a, that conversation with him. But the rest of us, like, when you're ready, come up. Feel free to come up. You can come down here and go to the sides. There's gluten-free options over here. Um, let me pray for our community time. Um, God, we just thank you so much for your obedience, for the example that Jesus lived for us. And we remember the world sees and forgets. We see. And it's so hard, God, that we sometimes forget to. But in this moment, we are doing this now because we want to remember. We want to remember so God, just thank you. Thank you for what you've done and help us be that obedient church, that people that follows you wherever you send us. In Jesus' name. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.